thank you for choosing to listen to the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast in a really amazing selection of other podcasts indicative of the recruitment market and the business market for whatever reason you're listening now. We just want to say thank you for choosing us. We couldn't do this without our sponsor and our partners. We're going to talk about them a little bit later on in the show, but thank you to Pager, our sponsors, and our partners, Inclusion Crowd and Needy. And without further ado, let's jump in to get to know this week's guest. This next guest was referred to us by one of our greatest cheerleaders on the podcast, Jen Bevan. This is Paul Starbuck, and he is an executive coach, non-exec director, and he basically partners businesses who are externally hiring in leaders to coach and develop them through their journey. He's not from recruitment. He's actually from the retail sector. He's had a very prolific career in corporates, and it was a real interest to get to know Paul because I think we can learn so much from his journey. And actually, I think we can learn so much from industry leaders who aren't just from recruitment. Otherwise, we create an echo chamber. And that's not what the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast is about. It's about elevating you, whether you're a leader, whether you lead leaders, or whether you're an aspiring leader one day. This is about creating high-performing culture and ensuring that you have a growth mindset. And we talk about some really interesting concepts today, whether or not it's good to start in a corporate or to have some corporate experience. Does it actually elevate your skills and attributes? for future entrepreneurship. What's the utopia in Paul's opinion of what successful induction and recruitment looks like for external leadership hiring? And how does he believe you can create a high-performing culture for the future? Um, and finally, what can we learn from under other industries? We, we actually cover a lot in this relatively short episode. So I um, can't wait to hear what you think of Paul. He's an absolute delight to get to know. So without further ado, let's jump into the episode. We are so proud at the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast to be sponsored by Pager. Pager helps recruiters to build personal brands, to identify new business opportunities, to attract those hard-to-find candidates, and to basically have better conversations. Now, you will have a large network that you want to build credibility with on LinkedIn. And sometimes posting content every day feels impossible. Now that changes once you have Pager. Pager provides you with the ideas, the content and the scheduling capability for, to produce daily content to build out your own personal brand in minutes. And for business development too. Pager identifies companies that are advertising jobs, have key hiring indicators such as funding rounds, mergers, acquisitions, or senior appointments, and then alerts you to this daily. Pager also enables you to write candidate-centric job adverts without bias in seconds. So once you advertise your job, Pager will then automatically create a branded post and publish it to LinkedIn without you even having to lift a finger. So when you want to actively source candidates, you can create complex Boolean strings in seconds. All you need to do is to provide the job title and location. Now, Pager is making thousands and thousands of recruiters smarter and faster. For more information, click on the link pager.co to book your demo. And remember to mention the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast when inquiring. Now, 
back to the episode. This is Leisha Holmes and I'm your host on the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast and I'm really excited to welcome to our community today somebody who's actually been referred by a previous guest who I think is a massive supporter of the podcast. In fact, she always gets behind every post I post ever on LinkedIn. She's one of our greatest cheerleaders, and that's Jem Bevan. So thank you for this, Jem. This is Paul Starbuck, and he is an executive coach and mentor, non-exec director, and founder of Starbuck and Associates, and generally wonderful person. Welcome to you today, Paul. How are you? Oh, thank you. Yes, very good. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me on the show. You're very welcome. Now, I obviously been chatting to you off camera before we press record. But for those who are not yet familiar with who you are and what you do, give us an, an overview. Sure. Yeah, thank you. So Paul Starbuck, executive coach. So uh, I run a coaching business. We work with senior leaders on whatever change they want to make, whether that's leadership change, leadership development, whether it's leading transformational change, new strategy, um, that type of work. So we work with senior leaders, small, medium, and some large organizations, uh, predominantly in the UK, but actually I've worked with people across about 46, I think 46 different countries, I think we're up to wow. now, uh, across, uh, across the world. It's always impressive when we get our end of year demographics from Spotify, they do a little summary. And I think last year we were downloaded in about 63 countries. And I was like, wow. It's just amazing. Like, I can't name 63 countries. Never mind. It's a good (laughs) job they don't ever test my geography on it. But in terms of your background, what I like on this podcast is when we get somebody that's not specifically from recruitment, because it gives us such a different perspective. And that's one of the reasons I think Jem introduced us, actually. So give us a little bit of a pot of history of your career and the industries you've worked in. Yeah, so I'm a retailer. So I did 35 years in retail. I started my career uh, part-time in Tesco and I finished my retail career as part of the senior leadership team with Boots um, in the UK. And I did a lot of different roles for Boots. So I did um, uh, a big HR role. I did um, a bit of work on property, finance, operations. I led a lot of the stores geography. So uh, the stores across the east side of the country. Um, and also led a lot of the big change programs. So quite a quite a big um, corporate career. Yeah. Uh, always working with big teams, big change programs, big remit. And um, back end of two thousand nineteen, I started to make the transition into a different world. Uh, COVID COVID changed the plan somewhat. Um, but what but was the original plan then? And then what? How and how did COVID <laughs> change it? Yeah, it's a great one. Yeah. So, so I was I was I, I'd lined up a couple of opportunities and um, both both huge great big roles. And in my in my head, I thought I got one more big corporate role in me before before retirement. That was the way it all kind of in my head. That's what it was going to be. And then within 20 minutes of Boris closing the country down, those roles got withdrawn. So I was sat there in my living room thinking, hmm, well, I can't say much Netflix every day. What do I do now? <laughs> so um, I, I thought, well, I'll, I'll add some credibility to my CV. And I got approached by the people. I rolled, enrolled on the um, the uh, the coaching accreditation course. Got approached by the people that ran the course to say, hmm, we don't have anybody with a big corporate background like you on our team. Do you want to come and do some work for, for us? As an associate coach, I'm more fast tracking through the program, and therein lies the start of a whole new different journey. Wow, um, I love that! I love. I didn't know that. That is mm. talk about stars aligning, Paul. Goodness me, I'm so glad that I'm not glad that Boris did what he did with COVID. By the way, it's all an absolute <laughs> sham. Let's just park that whole conversation. Yeah. <laughs> but in terms of you now, is it has there been any point where you thought I really wish I'd still gone down that big corporate job? Oh no! Oh gosh, no! Oh, I'm there so was, 
There was about a year. There was, if I'm if I'm truly honest, there was a year where I was still looking for a full time career role, mm. um, and 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 practicing the coaching and building a coaching business. And um, uh, yeah, there was a couple of times where I was almost tempted. But but I, what I would say is that you know even my my um, my best day in retail is nowhere near as good as my as my worst day in this world. So. Yeah, I mean, I, I did. I, it's, it's really interesting. It's a really interesting subject because I did get offered a job last week. Wow! Uh, and it was a very, it was a very tongue-in-cheek offer, and it was, it was a big ticket, and it was a big kind of salary number. And I'm thinking, no, no, why? Wow! Why? So why? I mean? Why? Why is the day the the bad day now even beats a brilliant day in corporate? Because there'll be, there'll, and the reason I'm asking is that will be people listening now who work for big corporate companies that may be thinking of setting up on their mm. own or going to work for a boutique. So what is it in you that's going, that's still not the right thing to do now? Well, well, I think, I think there's, a, there's several things, right? So okay. after six months out of being corporate, you get to the point where you start to see the world through a different lens. And, and you know, I would suggest that I'd probably be a little bit more unemployable now than perhaps I was when I first came out. Mm. Um. But I guess, I guess, I guess, in my world, I get to work with brilliant leaders, leaders that want to grow, that want to evolve, that want to make change, uh, that want to develop a great culture, that want to develop a brilliant product or a brilliant operating platform, and and I get to work with people in different industry sectors. So I've worked with people across the whole world, different industry sectors, from things like nuclear to central governments, and not just in the UK to police, to the NHS, to different healthcare providers, the world of finance right. is brilliant. So it's the diversity um, across the sectors, the cool. industries, the the leaders you're then dealing with. Yeah. And actually, if you were just working in one job in one company, it becomes quite linear again, doesn't it? You're just dealing with that yeah. one culture. I can see yeah. you, you don't need to convince me, but I was just really interested. And I, your passion is like oozing out of you. And I absolutely <laughs> love that. And that's gonna re- that's that will have definitely hooked a lot of I imagine aspirational leaders listening. And the other you- thing is the other thing in this, of course, is that you're working with people that really want to do something. Yeah. So you're not dealing with all the kind of the politics as such or the the drama, you know, you are working with people that want to make a difference. And mm. so, you know, I get to work with the good bits of corporate. I get to work yeah. with the ability to influence and make change and you know, develop leaders to be better versions of themselves that makes a difference inside their context. Mm. But as soon as the session or, or the day is finished, I move on to the next project and the next piece of work. So, you know, I'm not left with the the, the kind of the um you know the, the the stuff that comes out in the corporate kind of world that the crap he's talking about the, the crap yeah. I, I'm trying about not to crap. say that word say it. <laughs> we're not we're not censored by anybody so it's absolutely fine no I get it I, it totally makes sense and I I can totally see why you know after a period of time actually going back and being you know in that big ticket job it's just not yeah. it, regardless of what the what the actual recompense would be it's just not attractive from a you know, your spirit is just, you know, shining, isn't it? Because you're getting to influence all these different projects, like you say. But I think it's that mindset of the people that are approaching you as your customers. Whereas maybe if you're in a corporate, you've got the unwilling learner, you've got the ones with the closed mindsets that are there because they have to be because they work for the same company as you. Whereas now people are approaching you because they want to be in growth mindset. They want to create the best organization and, and leadership 
attractiveness, yeah. which is fantastic. And I guess, and I guess to go with that, what I find is that because I've got a big corporate background, it makes me quite attractive for people to kind of want to come and work with because they know that I understand their context and their world. Absolutely. And at the same time, you know, what I've done over them through this transition is learn how to be a, to be a great coach. So I'm now master level coach. So I bring that corporate experience, the non-executive board kind of experience as well, as well as that master coach. So you've got the best of everything. You've got the kind yeah. of the a platform to be able to you know, truly help people make big change and that's and that's what we specialize in that's that's really intriguing that's really intriguing well we talk before we talk about leadership then because i was explaining to you off camera that our audience a large part of our audience are those that are starting out their recruitment career and i started my recruitment career 25 years ago uh it's that a quarter of a century ago and i started in a corporate um and i think i call it my corporate apprenticeship because I think that the training was immaculate, it was exceptional, the processes were there, you know, you literally, we were all like robots, really, we were trained in the same way, we all did things exactly the same way, you had to follow the script, but I genuinely believe that that is, I think, the best platform, in my opinion, for a job like recruitment, where you then become very creative, and you have your own flair, and you know, you're building your own relationships independently, what would your advice be, and I appreciate that's quite a specific recruitment um question it, i guess what i'm asking is do you think that there is an advantage to starting in a corporate when you start in your career for those reasons that you the, from a process point of view that you learn it better than you would in a independent well yeah definitely i mean biased of course because yeah. I, I, that was the route i chose to take um but you learn you learn the profession you learn mm. how to work with teams how to work with colleagues how to get the best out of each other you learn the subject matter um and you learn the subject matter with some depth as well because very mm. big corporate organizations have lots of skill in a lots of strength in those areas yes and then you're working with leaders that are well developed well well versed in what they do and they help get the best out of you then of course you get invited to become a manager and you get good at that and you learn that kind of stuff and you learn um, you know, how to facilitate the work for others, how to build great teams. So you, you get access and you get the, the, uh, the experience of, of, of building a career and building mm. depth of knowledge and uh, experience. And of course, you are meeting loads and loads and loads of people. So you are. When, when you do want to come out of the corporate world, you've got loads of people around you that can vouch for you that can endorse you, can you know, refer you to to opportunities, no matter what. Yeah, that's women. very that's very true. That's very. I mean, the level of network that you get in your. I I particularly think in your early career, particularly within your peer group, because you tend to, you know, you're all going on a similar journey. Is this level of? It's almost like you know you think about your primary school friends as an adult. It's an un unspoken thing. Sometimes you might just a song might come on and you go, "Oh my God, do you remember that?" You know, and it's straight away. It's not. I'm not saying nostalgia per se, but there's an understanding there that you've all gone on a similar journey. And I think I've got a cohort of my peer, my ex peers from that very first job 25 years ago, and they're all leaders. They all they're all pretty much CEO level. They run their own companies. And yeah. what is interesting, and I, I do want to ask you this question: What your thoughts are? they all within their own entities have plagiarized all the brilliant bits of that corporate that we all started life in. I still follow the processes, believe it or not, that I was trained in 25 years ago, even though there's only three of us. 
So yeah. I want to ask the question, I guess, make, making it more generic for our audience. What are your thoughts on, you know, SMEs? A large swathe of our audience are SMEs, you know, boutique business owners. Some are just one one man, one woman bands. What are your thoughts on plagiarising corporate processes within an entrepreneurial culture? Can the two match? Yeah, well, I think so. I can only talk from through my, my own experience, of course. So, um. You know, I, I followed the same pattern I had in the retail world in my world. So <laughs> I have a weekly meeting with um, the team. I will have a monthly review of the performance. I'll have a quarterly kind of formal kind of, right, okay, what worked well in the last quarter? What do I need to do differently in the next quarter? I'll have an annual business plan. I have um, monthly KPIs. So, yeah, I think, I, think, I think there's something to be said about the rigour and the discipline that is required when you run a big team inside a corporate organization, you have mm. to be, you have to be structured, you have to be disciplined, you have to understand what's good, bad, indifferent. You have to be backward facing to understand what happened, but in tuned enough to go, okay, something needs to change for the future. What do we do differently? Mm. And where are we trying to get to? And if I think about the work I do, you know, typically we are spending a little bit of time looking backwards to kind of learn from that. Mm. But yeah, working with clients thinking about where do they want to be in a year's time where do they want to be in three years time five years time in some cases for some boards um and therefore okay so what do we need to do to get ourselves there what's the mm. first thing we need to do what's the second thing we need to do so you are no matter what size of the organization it is i think there's a lot to be learned from um, from working with um with uh, with bigger organizations and bringing in some of the discipline and some of the structure they have because those structures and those disciplines invariably whether mm. we liked it or they they probably did work well they did and i'm you know i'm just thinking then just literally it flicks in my head then it's about, learn, it's about learning to drive isn't it when you're learning to drive you are following a, a process you are doing it to the letter which is yeah. like light life in corporate and then once you have passed your test so i guess you've you know it can be tenure it could be certain succession planning milestones that you've hit in a corporate business you then go and drive on your own and you get on a motorway and you drive and that's it. You're an independent driver. And I think it's for me, if I think about my own journey out of corporate and I know that, you know, you were in corporate far longer than me. I, I was only in a corporate for three years. Although prior to that, actually, before recruitment, I was in a corporate for three years. So I've kind of did corporate for about six years and I really am not a corporate girl. Anyone that knows me, I really am not a corporate girl. I do not regret one minute of that time. And I out, I outgrew it because I was challenging things and I was not saying yes to most things I was actually saying no and I was challenging all the cadences that we have for the sake of it you know within our meetings and our structures and our processes but I think it's really interesting so obviously you know you engage with those leaders who are looking to develop themselves and obviously grow their businesses grow their organizations look at opportunity I'm going to be a little bit contrary now and possibly um bit, you know purposefully so playing devil's advocate but when recruitment business owners hire external leaders into their businesses, they, there tends to be a real lack of structure and process around induction, around, you know, where this is going to lead to. It tends to be a real kind of quick fix sometimes, like, oh, we'll just bring this person and they can just run with it. So I don't know if you've had any observations in the recruitment industry per se, but what would you say the utopia would be for anyone considering hiring in specifically a senior leadership level, as opposed to juniors, to join a, to join a business, to join a business from external. I, well, I think I think the way I describe it is is, is going back to a motoring um, 
metaphor analogy that you perhaps used earlier, you talked about to learn to drive. Mm. Um, I think when you join an organization, it's probably like joining the motorway. Okay. So when you join the motorway, you invariably come off a roundabout, you will then drive down a slip road, and um, there becomes a point where you are, you know, coming around the bend, perhaps you've got three lanes of motorway and you're joining the motorway. So on that journey to join the motorway, you've got to learn all the things that you need to learn to be highly successful in yep. your role. Mm-hmm. Um, and what made you successful in the last role, in the last organization, isn't necessarily what makes you successful in this new organization. And I don't think necessarily both the individual nor the employer perhaps, perhaps appreciate as much about that as perhaps they need to. Need, need to. Mm. And the relationship is so, so new that we don't get to that place in that relationship. So you know, the business will, will generally have some level of induction, everything from nothing, just work shadow this person over here, or just get on with it, we trust you, to a very, very, very detailed and very structured plan mm. that isn't necessarily built for the person that is just about to sweep through the slip road to join the motorway. So I think the utopia is is to build something that truly works for each individual. And that may be very different. And that needs a level of co-creation, a level of um, trust and and a relationship that that builds very quickly from an early stage to understand each other's perspectives. But but, but, But can I just interject? To me, that should start in the interview process. Not Agreed. not yeah. post start date. It starts yeah. in the interview process. What do you need from us? It's understanding what that leader that you're bringing in externally. You know why they're actually even looking to leave, because all yeah. you're doing then is replicating. I like that we're we're running with that analogy. I think that's really important. And I agree with you. I think it's you know the, there's it's very rare that we get businesses, particularly in the recruitment industry, that scale at large at leadership level in with more than one say at a time. So it's very rare. In our industry, I can imagine in other industries, it's it's more, much more common, maybe in tech and, you know, SaaS and that kind of thing. Possibly they might bring in a whole leadership team if they're scaling quickly. But I think that is really important advice, that utopia that you just described there. It's that individual, you know, requirement and almost having this holistic approach to it. You know, it's both sides, isn't it? What does that person need bring, coming in? And then what do what do we need in order to make sure that happens? Yeah. You know? And I think I think I think within this, what I notice in the world that I that I, I work in now is that I get a lot of people, a lot of fee paying individuals that come to me because they want support in transitioning to into a new organization. Right. And you're thinking, well, why would people pay me to coach them, to support yeah. them to become highly successful in a new role in a new organization? Yeah. That suggests to me that the induction processes that have been put in place for those individuals isn't isn't robust or, or indeed as they've gone through the selection process they're suddenly going oh this job is a bit bigger than i thought it was yeah Ooh, wait a minute maybe maybe i'll maybe i've oversold myself and i'm not quite as good as i thought i was right but either or there's a mismatch between yes the person's understanding what the role is and what the role actually is and whatever dynamic that's taking place in there. and typically as an individual going through a recruitment process you want to sell yourself amazingly, you know, I'm brilliant and fantastic because you want the job. Of course you do. And the organisation may be thinking, yeah, 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 we'd like you, yeah, we're great, we're such an amazing organisation and we've got all these wonderful values. Mm. But the values that are listed on the webpage isn't necessarily the values that are lived and breathed inside the organisation. So all of a sudden, somebody's coming thinking, it's, oh, this is going to be lovely, what a great team, great place. Ooh, it's mm. not quite like that. 
No. So you're, what I find myself doing is filling a need to help people understand or help them make a transition from one role and one 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 piece, whether we're mm-hmm. successful or not, but to help them become highly successful in a in a in a different business altogether. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're both are sat on opposite ends, really. The disparity that happens if they're starting that new role, you're on that journey with them. And then as they come to the end of their career, they then ring me and say, this hasn't worked out and this is why. Because <laughs> all those years ago. And actually, I think that's where, you know, for people like yourself that come in, and I'm a huge advocate, by the way, of external development, training, coaching. I, I really am because I think it's so important to get objective viewpoints and not to create echo chambers in businesses. I'm, it's like I know that a lot of companies invest in a learning and development person, but I still think they should have external. I've always believed in that, especially for leadership. I think it's so important. It's why I love the concept of, of NEDS. I think it's such a brilliant addition to any company's repertoire in terms of growth and mindset, etc. But I also th- think that very often it is possibly a tick box exercise if they're not actually if the business isn't truly understanding why you're there to support that leader on their journey you know it then and then at what point it's like right well I've come to the end of that mm. like I'm gone now and then where where does that leave them so I, I, I like your your utopia I do often have a little bit of a cynical mind with it but I think that's why it's important to talk about it openly and for people to recognize maybe where you know by getting this right this is one of the first steps to creating a high-performing culture, which ultimately we are a high-performing industry. So, for I mean, leading on to that, really, what what would you say the pillars are to create high-performing cultures for business leaders? There's a lot with that. I think there's, there's mm. a lot with that. So I think you have to have clarity around where you're going. So mm. uh, what is the vision? And the vision is not just about the what, the output, you know, while we have a vision for a you know, world domination or whatever, whatever the vision is. I think it's the vision in terms of the what, but also the how, the behaviors mm-hmm. that you're looking for. What do you expect from people and how should that be? And then for me, it's, you've got to engage people around, you know, where you're mm-hmm. heading to, where you're trying to get to. And then it becomes very much around relationships, about um, behaviors and, and, and creating a culture where uh, people are able to be the, 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 their authentic self. They're able to be themselves, to 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 work on the things they need to work on to be successful at their role, to, to work on the things to be successful at the next level of leadership and help people understand where to get to and how to get there. I think there's a lot of things around variety of the work and keeping things interested and keeping mm. things fluid, you know. Otherwise, things get too routine, too samey, too, too this, too that, too the other, and Mundane. it becomes more difficult. And I think from a leadership perspective, you've got to... You're going to nip things in the bud, I think. You know, if you're clear about what you're looking for and you're clear about where you're going, then you've got to nip some of the kind of things that get in the way at times in the bud and face into stuff. I think, I think so. This starts with communication and it ends with communication, doesn't it? That's ultimately what we're talking about. And I'm, I'm pleased that you brought up the fact that you brought up diversity and inclusion and belonging. And I think that the, our industry, the recruitment industry, which should be the educator, which should be the pioneers, we, we're often actually. Now, I don't want to say at the back of the room because we're really not, but we're often playing catch up to other industries. And I recognise, obviously, you know, you've got a you know, prolific career in the retail industry. So where where has that, you know, where's diversity and inclusion gone to in, in terms of retail and e-commerce, for example, that we can learn from it? And what other things do you think our industry could do better if we're meant to be these pioneers and educators? Um, well, that's a good, well, that's a good question. I think... Um... 
I think if you look at the, uh, the the great thought leaders at this moment in time and see where they're putting their energy, they're putting their energy into DNI, into an environment, sustainability, uh, the whole movement around B Corp. You know, I think these are important things that modern day businesses have to navigate and have yeah. to work through. And how do you inspire, motivate, and look after the precious resource of people that we have? Yep. So that they want to be part of your future, part of the the business mm. you're trying to grow to grow and. Yeah, they have different needs and different wants and yeah, society changes we have to respond quickly to it and i don't mm. think we are as adaptable perhaps at times as we need to be no so it is about listening it's back to your point about communication but communication starts invariably as an internal leader it starts with listening mm. truly understanding what your people are saying what they want what they don't want what your customer wants and what they don't want what the environment the idea there's so many there's so many pieces to listen to there is there is but then it's about okay so what's the intelligence i'm taking out of this yeah what do i need to respond to what do i need to do to to be to to create a business for the future business for the future that our customers our people are going to buy into yeah no definitely developing a business and developing a a culture that goes with it a way of being that goes with it I think it's, it can be quite daunting, can't it? Because obviously you've got all data that can give you the stats and, you know, steer that ship to where it, you know, your your customers are telling you, your external customers, I should say. Um, obviously competitors, what are they doing? Being mindful of that. But I think ultimately what I've taken from this conversation is that to for leaders listening and for those who are thinking, am I in the right, am I in a high-performing culture? You will be in an environment where you feel safe, you feel that you belong, you know exactly the why and the values, and they're not just words on the door, like or the wall. Um, and the the vision, which might might change and might adapt, is continually communicated to you. And you ask for the ideas. You know, it's it's all about creating that inclusivity, isn't it? That's what it really means. Yeah, yeah, definitely. We've just created Utopia, Paul. It's amazing. Our job here is done. You can go and take your big ticket job now. <laughs> You can, you can go. I, I wish, wish it was that easy. <laughs> you, you, you can go and you can go and have a pub crawl around your, your village in Lincolnshire where he lives. If there's anybody in Lincolnshire, by the way, go and connect to Paul because that's where he is. This has been brilliant. This has been like a whistle stop tour, and it's been really insightful. And I think genuinely, you've been really helpful to. I think there'll be a lot of people listening that will just think, right, that's what we need to do in our business. We need to bring somebody in externally to look at you know we're just you become so entrenched and and you know I use the expression echo chamber I think very often you bringing in people from the same industry you're still only hearing the same thing so I think sometimes it's great to get a different perspective so thank you so much for coming on the show today I really appreciate it no thank you thank you for having me on I'm really welcome well it's been great and thank you for tuning into the recruiters recruitment podcast the recruiters recruitment podcast is thrilled to be partnering with inclusion crowd Inclusion Crowd put the D into diversity, but do it disruptively. We love that. Really reflecting what we're about. I was introduced to Inclusion Crowd back in 2020, and I've been absolutely blown away with what they're doing to totally transform the recruitment and hiring sector. They believe at Inclusion Crowd that companies should be reflective of society. And that no matter who you are listening now, you have a story to tell. You have a contribution to make. An inclusion crowd educates you in allowing your voice to come out and share that story, but doing it in a way that educates your colleagues and your customers equally. 
Inclusion Crowd, like the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast, has clients all over the world and they specialise in our industry. What we all want to do together is to maintain best practice and to raise industry standards to enable us to attract and retain the best talent, but doing so inclusively and with true diversity. By doing this, by accomplishing a true EDI policy within your business, you will also retain the top talent as well as attract new talent, which is a win-win for everybody listening, making more profitable business and a much better industry, highly regarded. Inclusion Crowd are also the official awarding body for the Inclusion and Diversity Certification Mark within recruitment. We are so proud to be assisting and partnering Inclusion Crowd. If you want to know more information, please click on the link in this episode and remember to mention the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast when you do so. Now, back to the episode. We are so proud to be partners of Needy, the gifting revolution. Here at Key Recruitment, we absolutely love to send out bespoke gifts to our new place candidates to welcome them in their new jobs, but also as an extra special thank you to clients or when a team is celebrating something really special. But to be honest, we were really fed up with dull or mediocre gifts that you could just buy on the high street that didn't really reflect who we are at Key Recruitment as a business. This is why we chose Needy. Needy source sustainably from the UK's best independent businesses, offering the most perfect array of bespoke gifts and experiences too. So no more boring bottles of plonk or rubbish boxes of chocolates. This is how you make your customers day with a gift that really matters and shows that you really want to do something special for them. For more information on how psychology and AI forming to make the best gift experience for you, click on the link and remember to mention the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast when ordering. Now, back to the episode. <laughs> 